Thank you for downloading this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We pray that you receive encouragement from the study of God's Holy Word and that you will grow in the faith and understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this may be the kind of message that you go, I already know about this, but I'm going to try and do something. I'm going to try to speak for those of you who have not yet been baptized. And I believe there's a piece of this that is very relevant for those of you who already have been baptized. Sound good? So stay with me on this stuff. Um, I would like to read, so I got a news article, and this is a real story. Uh, Somebody in this room sent it to me and Judy, uh, our administrator here. And I really came out with two lessons from this. The first, it's a horrible tragedy, and I actually paid for this, prayed for this pastor's wife. The second is something I'll share in a minute. So this was reported by Fox News, which picked up a story from BBC. This is a real deal. A water baptism ceremony held near a lake, turned into a horrific tragedy when the pastor was reportedly grabbed by a crocodile on Sunday. Pastor Dako Ashete was baptizing at least 80 members of his Protestant congregation in Lake Abaya in southern Ethiopia, an area known to have huge crocodile population, when one of the creatures leaped out of the water and grabbed him. He baptized the first person and he passed on to another one, a local resident told BBC. All of a sudden, a crocodile jumped out of the lake and grabbed the pastor. Pastor Daco died from injuries on his legs, back, hands, and hands despite efforts from the congregation. Fishermen and residents trying to save him, according to the police. The crocodile escaped as a group used fishing nets to prevent it from taking the pastor's lifeless body out to the deeper water. You know, that's horrible, don't you think? So, I can't imagine what his congregation is going through. It's not every day you see your pastor drowned by a crocodile. And I can't imagine what his family would be going through because that's a different type of loss. But I did learn that maybe moving forward, we should have our administrator do all water baptisms. I think it's a good idea. No, I'm just kidding. I'll be there. And if you've got a child who's going to be water baptized and they're, you know, child's age, and you would like to be in the water with them and, and do that, that'd be very neat. Um, you can do that. So just dress accordingly and be ready. This is kind of a fun message to prepare for. I had the chance to talk to some of you. <laughs> I'll get Judy in there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say, can I bring my pet crocodile? Uh-huh. You know, my dad used to have a giant iguana in college. You know, and he used to bring it, he had it on a leash. I kind of wish he was here because he could affirm this. He had a big leash, so he used to walk it. And he lived in the dorms and he had this big, and he would feed it fruit cocktail. Isn't it funny? So I, I know a guy, my wife's uncle, went to college the same time my dad did, same college. And they didn't know each other, but my wife's uncle remembers the guy with the iguana. I suppose if somebody has a two-foot-long iguana, it's hard to forget. Right? I suppose the only thing left after that is somebody saying, this is my service dog. Have you noticed how many service dogs there are lately? So some folks really need service dogs. I've got no problem with that. But I wonder if they ever need a service iguana. This has nothing to do with the message. So I had the chance in preparing for this. I just talked to some of you and other folks in first service about their water baptismal experiences. It was neat to hear the stories. I'm curious, how many of you were baptized, water baptized, in uh, like a fresh water, like a river or a lake. Anybody? No fresh waters here? I think first service, we only had three or four. How many of you were baptized in the ocean? First service, we had two. I got to do both of them. It was a youth trip. Sec- uh, how many of you were baptized in a traditional, like a swimming pool? 
Okay, pretty good. How many of you were baptized in a church baptismal? Oh, yeah, look at that. Okay, most hands for that one. We've had, first service, most hands were also in a church baptismal. I was baptized in a church baptismal. It's kind of fun for me to think back. Um, and you know, you remember a story and then over years, you just, you don't know if, this, if you remember it quite right. So I found out later, my story was confirmed to me. I, I did, in fact, remember it right. So I was water baptized on a Sunday night service. And my dad wasn't a believer and he was there. Uh, and I was, I was a little kid and we went into this, I went into this room and they gave me a great big robe. It was a man's large. I remember that putting on this robe and I looked ridiculous. You know, the, the sleeves were too long for me and I, I, I looked ridiculous. It dragged in the ground. So anyhow, I opened the door for this and they called me down into this baptismal, which was right at the edge of this door that I changed in. And I get in the water and, uh, and I remember this guy baptizing me. I don't remember everything he said, but I remember my dad in the room, not a believer, standing in the back Given the stink guy, you know? I mean, he was not into it. And I wondered if I had remembered that story correctly. Two years ago, I was at a conference with my dad, and we run into this guy named Alan, and we hadn't seen Alan for years and years and years and years. And Alan used to go to that church that we went to in Alaska. So uh, we're reminiscing, hey, Alan, hey, Jim and Frank. It's one of those moments. And while that's happening, he gets a phone call, and he looks at it and he said, oh, this is Bill from this church. So he picks it up and he, Bill, guess who I'm with? I'm with Frank and Jim Sussler. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? And then he said, oh, Bill remembers baptizing you, Jim, when you were a little boy. Oh, and your dad was very angry that day. <laughs> That's the way I remember it. I asked my dad if he remembered and he said, no. Oh, I remember. You know, kids remember their parents being angry sometimes, don't they? Oof. The testimony for me is later that same day, my dad got saved. So that was kind of neat. That was the part of this day. So in water baptisms, we really need to consider something. Before we move forward, I, 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 it's very important to call something out. If we went to most churches in America, maybe worldwide in churches, and we said, who invented baptism and who is it invented for? We're going to, most answers will say John the Baptist invented baptisms and they were invented for Christians. Most people would say that in other churches. They would maybe in this church up the road or if we went to Pennsylvania, it would be the common answer. Are you with me? But we don't believe that's true at all. And we can look at maybe a, not a theological reason, but imagine this. If we look in the scriptures right now at John the Baptist baptizing people, none of the Jews around when it was happening thought it was weird. Why is that? If he invented this brand new thing of dunking people underwater, don't you think they would think it's weird? There's no mentions in the scriptures where they thought it was weird. It wasn't like that at all. In fact, what we need to do, anytime we study the Bible, what we, what's really prudent for any Bible scholar to do is to look you know, in the scriptures and make sure, if we're looking in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, that there is an example of it in the Old Testament. We always want to see, whenever possible, the tie-in. And in baptism, there's tons and tons and tons of tie-in. Baptism wasn't invented for Christians. Baptism had been around thousands of years before that. Thousands of years before uh, John ever got in the water and would baptize people. We know, for example, in the scriptures, this is all Bible, that for Yom Kippur, for example, the Day of Atonement that Jews were commanded to observe, that the Lord said, 
There were certain preparations that needed to occur, and there were four different types of water preparation, some full immersion, some sprinkle, four different types of a, of a form uh, with water, a preparation with water. And then if we go through other examples, we can see all through scriptures, there's water uh, baptism, water baptism, water baptism, but the Jews didn't call it baptism, they called it mikvahs. Uh, mikvahs are, well, let's look at a picture of one. I've got one here. This is a mikvah. And this particular mikvah is about 900 years old. It's from roughly 1100 AD. And it was pretty straightforward. People would walk in, they would go down the steps. You can see the steps. They would take the steps into the water. And by the way, one of the requirements for mikvah is it, there had to be fresh water. So under that, there is fresh water coming in. Can't see it, but there's a, usually it's a ground stream or some freshwater source that's tapped, so water goes in and out. It's clean water. It's not some nasty water that just sits in this pile of rocks. So clean water, and they would go into the water. They would dunk themselves, and they would come up, and they would go out, and that would be that. And this is very, very common for Jews. They don't want to call it baptisms. In fact, most Jews, if we would go to most Jews today who don't know Jesus as their Savior, they would say, no, no, we don't believe, baptisms for Christians. But Jews have mikvahs. In fact, if people would convert to Judaism today, still today, they would go through a mikvah. And depending on their particular kind of Judaism, whether they were Orthodox or Reform, Conservative, that would decide how they would go through the mikvah. Generally, it's always the same. They would walk into the room, uh, usually men with men, and women with women, they do it separately because in most mikvahs, they go in naked. Even today, they go in naked. So they don't want a mixed gender thing. It's not like it's a sexist thing. They just, for decency, they take usually just one at a time. There's a female supervisor for ladies. There's a male supervisor for the men. The, the person converting goes into a room, says a certain prayer, steps into the, down the steps, goes into the, the mikvah, dunks, and comes up, and they've done that portion of the process. Now, in some less religious Judaism today, maybe Reform Reconstructionist, they won't, they'll, they'll allow people to wear robes. But it's still the same concept. They still do the same thing. Now, I don't know why it is that Christians think that, that uh, Christians invented baptism. It had been a long-standing principle, again, for more than a thousand years before John was ever alive. It's important for us to know that. It really is. This is an old thing and it's steeped in the scriptures it's just chock full in the scriptures of different experiences we know that Moses when Moses led the Israelites through the parting of the sea that there was a form of a baptism that occurred there we know that it says that in 1 Corinthians there was a form of a baptism that occurred wild this is really common in scriptures so when John was doing it again it wasn't this new um Christian thing. It was an extension of things that already been put in place and already been walked out for years before that. I think it, it's good for us to know that. So who is baptism for? Now remember, I'm going to try to make this relevant. If you've been baptized before and you go, oh, come on, but just stay with me. Who's it for? Go ahead, Mike. Let's see. Then he, this is Acts 16.30, and then he, this is a, a jailer, by the way, brought out Paul and Silas, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them saved. They got saved. 
And he took them in the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Believing comes first. Whoever believes, Mark 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Get that sequencing there, whoever believes and is baptized. Got it? You with me? Believes and is baptized. So if it believing comes first, how can we do it with infants? How can we have it with infants? Believing comes first. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? I'm talking about infant baptism. How do we do that? Believing always comes first. Now, I took two, just two verses out. There are many other verses that talk about believing first, believing first, believing first. We can't skip the believing and go to the baptism. That's just getting wet. Right? We've got to believe. You know, <clears throat> something else I think is kind of funny about baptizing. The word baptize means to submerse in water. Makes fully wet. Fully wet. Do you know, sprinkling, it, it, when sprinkling started to occur with people, there are some historical perspectives on how that came to be. And there are some biblical perspectives on sprinkling. There are examples in the Old Testament of sprinkling in preparation for a certain event. And it's just called sprinkling. It's not called the same type of thing as baptize. It's just sprinkling. And this, so it's a different function altogether. So if people say, yeah, sprinkling is in the Bible, it is. But it had a different purpose. And if we look at the, the baptizing in the New Testament, and, and actually even the Old Testament that kind of goes underwater, there's a, there's, it had different values. So today I think it's kind of funny. If we think about sprinkling today, like child sprinkling, or, or sprinkling anybody, let's say I was going to sprinkle uh, Brenda Ellis. I'm going to sprinkle you, Brenda. And I'm going to do that, and I, need to, I know that baptized means to make fully wet. Do you know how much sprinkling that takes? I'm going to go at it for a long time. Brenda's full grown. I could go to Jim Stahl. Same thing. Man, that's a lot of sprinkling to get you fully wet, isn't it? It's a lot easier if we go into the water and come out of the water. Don't you think? I suppose we could sprinkle somebody until they're fully wet. But again, that even if we're remembering back to that mikvah, the way it was practiced before was to get fully in. People would walk in by themselves. There wasn't even anybody touching them. People would walk in by themselves and dunk themselves underwater and come up and then go out. By the way, this is, there was a one group of Jews. This is back a thousand years, uh, maybe 1,800 years. And they were so strict on their baptisms. They would self-baptize themselves. They would find a mikvah. They would self-baptize themselves six times a day. Six days a week. They would get one day off, no baptizing on one day. So six times a day, they would go to the public mikvah. Because remember, it had to be running water. They couldn't just do it in their backyard. They couldn't do it with pouring a cup on their head. They, had, they went all the way in. So they would go to this place and they would take off their robe and they would go in and they would six times. They, what happens to their skin? They get all pruny. I mean, six times is a lot of, that's a lot of times. So... When we think of baptism, what do we think of? We think of being fully wet, and we think of believing first. No believing. How do you get baptized? It's just a thing we're doing. So that's, that's the who. Believers. Let's look at the next one. Acts 2.38, Peter said to him, 
Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So this is the how. This is the how. Now we know we go in the water, we come out of the water. We can go to other examples in this. Peter, uh, Philip in the Ethiopian, there's a great scripture in the Bible where Philip is, uh, sees the Ethiopian, you know, the Lord really connects these two guys. Uh, Philip tells the Ethiopian about the Lord, the Ethiopian becomes saved, and they're going down the way together in this chariot, and the Ethiopian sees some water, and he wants to get baptized right then. Okay? So he, <clears throat> he says, let's go. There, there we go. There it is. And they get in the water, and, the, and he gets baptized. There's a how. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of times when people are baptized, they hear this. I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And they get baptized. That is not a name. Uh, we can spend a lot of time talking about the name of Jesus. That is a title. It'd be like baptizing you in the name of man, woman, child. Right? What's his name? I baptize you in the name of the name of Jesus. That's his name. Now, we can't say God's name. So we do, we go refer to Lord, and there's a lot of scriptural drive to that. So we say we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord, and then Jesus, and then Christ. That's the name. So we know the who, we know the when, but now the why is where it starts to get juicy. Let's look at this. Romans 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Now Paul is writing this to believers. It's good to keep, this in, keep that in mind as we go on here. By no means, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who died and have been baptized to Christ Jesus were baptized in his death? All right, so... Paul is saying, he's got a lot going on in this chapter. One of the things he says in a different part of the chapter is that when Jesus died, we know he takes our sin, right? As we give our life to him, as we make him Lord, we believe in him. He, that sin, when he died, our sin gets washed, gets take, taken out. And then we're baptized, we're baptized in Christ Jesus, remember his name, and we're baptized unto his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism unto death. We're buried with him. So that sin nature that he took, remember he wiped out our sin, it gets buried in water baptism. In order that, just as Christ is raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in a newness of life. It is refreshing, not just wet refreshing, it is refreshing to be baptized and we come up, we left that thing behind, the representation of that sin nature. It's buried. It's behind us. Everybody has it behind. That's behind us. Right? Anybody not have it behind? Water baptism, we're putting that to death. Or putting that to burial, I'll say. And that's what it is. I think it's very fascinating. All right, let's look at the next verse here. Galatians 3, for all of you who were baptized into Christ, baptized, baptized into Christ, taken on that name. Now, this is the Amplified Bible, and the Amplified Bible, if you have not read it, I'll tell you, they, it just amplifies, it expands on some parts. And I don't usually show the Amplified verses here, but I think it, is, it, it brings a nice perspective uh, on this thought. Um, into, if you were, let me start over again. For all of you who were baptized unto Christ, into a spiritual union with the Christ, the anointed, have clothed yourselves with Christ, that is, you have taken on his characteristics and values. 
So, this is the other part of baptism. We bury this and we prove, hey, I'm following Christ. I'm taking on his characteristics and his values. I'm not just doing this, I'm taking it on. Now, most of you in here, you have gotten water baptized. Some of you in here will get water baptized today. This is a big day for you. So if you're going to get water baptized, just remember, when you do that, you're burying that old, dead sin nature. You're leaving it in the water. Which is awesome. And if you've already done this, we can look back and we can go, hey, that's right, I did leave that behind. Now I'm going to change gears for a minute. Let's look at this next slide. I've shown something like this before, and it seems really prudent to show again this morning. The first groups of believers. Now, Paul wrote most of these things. 1 Corinthians, Galatians. He, these, are, these are letters from Paul. And we know that Paul had a lot of teachings on water baptism. So we can make a very safe assumption that these groups knew about being water baptized. And actually, we can make more than just some safe assumptions. There's scriptures talk about this. So this group of believers had believed, they were baptized, and they still had challenges. How many of you believe you've been baptized, you still have problems in life? Or you know somebody with problems in life? Sexual immorality. Man, they had bad problems back then. This sexual immorality, it, it was horrible. It actually has talked about guys who were sleeping with their father's wives. Man, that's messed up, right? This is messed up. Lawsuits between believers. You know, lawsuits between believers, at first glance, might not seem like a really big thing. But, uh, you know, we know 1 Corinthians 13 teaches us that we're supposed to walk in agape. And Jesus says that we're supposed to love each other. Well, I don't understand how you can love somebody in agape, that definition of love, in 1 Corinthians 13, love's patient, love is kind, and sue them. This is about how can you love somebody and sue them? If you loved me, would you want to sue me? Those two things conflict with each other, don't they? I want to sue people I don't like. And that's what Paul's pulling out here. Tensions between ethnic groups. Bottom line is, this is about Jews and Gentiles. For the first time, Jews and Gentiles had to learn to coexist in the same faith. Before this, it was a Jewish thing. Then, Gentiles came in through the works of Jesus, and, and the message that went out after that, they had to learn to coexist. Big changes. Behaviors around taking communion. This is a big deal. This is a big deal today, actually, in some places. So some people would get together in 1 Corinthians and they didn't have much. They would have a meager communion. Other people would get together and have communion and they would get drunk. Drunk. How were services? I don't know. I don't remember. It was all I remember is communion, then it's black. You know, I mean, they were drunk. <clears throat> I tell you, this, this is true. There's a true issue happening today in some synagogues. And by the way, communion wasn't invented by Christians either. So that's another thing like baptism. It, Christians get a lot of credit for inventing it. The people sitting around the table were Jews. They were at the Passover meal. And Jesus took a step in the Passover meal and he taught off that. So there's something that happens in synagogues today. This is, I think this is interesting. And it shows that people are people. There's a... A time in synagogues called Kiddush, and Kiddush is what look very much like communion. There is a cup with wine, and there is a piece of bread, and there are traditional blessings that are said. 
Another part of traditional synagogues is to have the Torah, scripture readings. And the scripture readings can take 15 minutes. They can be very long, and everybody knows what they are in advance. They're very, they're, everybody re- does the same readings worldwide. Everybody knows the scriptures. All, all forms of Jews do the same scriptures. So in synagogues, what's happening is during the Torah readings, so while they're going through the scriptures, a group of really, we'll say, spiritual people will leave and they'll go into another room because they want to discuss the scriptures themselves while they're partaking in their own cup and bread. Okay? So they go in another room and they say, boy, what do you think? You know, what do you think about the scripture reading? I don't know. What do you think? And they, they're doing, they're going to honor Kiddush. They say honor Kiddush or honor this like communion-like thing. But they drink so much that they get drunk. And it's not uncommon for some of these groups. They call them Kiddush clubs. That's the slang name for them. They, it's not uncommon for them to put in, uh, they have a minimum alcohol amount in order to do this event. And they put in Jack Daniels or whatever other hard liquor they want. And they think they're being spiritual. And they come out of the room sauced. I mean, really schnankered. So that these rabbis from major groups of Judaism have actually gotten together and written white papers and tried to come up with ways to standardize not getting sauced during service. They've had all kinds of concerns. They're concerned about them driving home. They're concerned about them coming in for the children because the children see these men. This is a big deal. So when Paul's writing this, behaviors around communion, this is big, really big. Could you imagine people during communion? No, no, I don't want that little cup. I brought my own. Right? This is the kind of stuff Paul's taken on. Issues were so bad in one particular community, so bad, and I I wrote this down. Paul said their behavior was worse than than if they would have never met at all. Could you imagine coming to service here and being worse for having met together? Our service should never be like that. And Paul said, man, your service is so messed up. It would be be better if you wouldn't have met. Paul is telling this to people who already believe and already were baptized. Why are they acting the way they did before they were baptized? Can you see it? When we move on, when we believe... And we step out of that, those sinful ways, and we bury that, which is water baptism. We bury it. And after we do that, why do we go back to it? Have you ever known anybody who wallows? You know what I'm talking about, like a wallower? You know, everything is wrong for them. You know, like, how's it going? Oh, it's so bad. Doesn't matter what they're doing in life. How you doing? So bad. I remember there's somebody, it's true, they came into a lot of money, and I remember, you know, somebody said something like, hey, you got some money now, praise God, or whatever, you know, you got money, congratulations. And the person's like, yeah, but. I, I just want to tell you this, the craziness of that. This person came into more than $20 million. I don't know why people think I'm rich. Because you are! <laughs> Sometimes people like to wallow, don't they? Life is never good enough. They stay in the problems when they've already buried that stuff. Why do they go back to it? Let it go. You like to hang out with those people that wallow? I do not. They're real buzzkills. 
Did I say that out loud? I mean, really. When people live in that place of... But we see it regularly. There are some people who just don't want to get better. And they don't remember what had happened on the cross. That what's dead, they don't remember that they buried that part of their life. There's a great scripture. There's a great set of verses where Jesus is saying, he goes up to this guy who's lame. Do you, do you want to be healed? He asks him, do you want to be healed? I don't think some people want to be healed. You know what I mean? Do you want to get better? Well, I don't know. I really like being like this. And they do. They just act like it. They just even, but they, they'll never say they don't want to get better. But they don't want to get better. You want to make your life better? Mm. Uh. We buried it. Move on. We buried it. Water baptism, for everybody who's been water baptized, is a reminder. You know, tonight I'll be in the pool. I was baptized years ago. But I'm going to remember, I've buried it. I'm moving on. I got my own issues in life. You know, my dad used to say this a lot. I got my issues. Do you know what? You want to know what they are? Everybody, of course, says yes. Well, I'm not telling you. Everybody's got issues in life, but our job is to not hang on it, hang on to them. Let's keep on moving on. Baptism reminds us that we don't have them anymore. There's some things in life that anybody graduate high school or college is here. Anybody in this room, any recent today's grad? All right, congratulations. You did it. It's a good reminder. You've always got that certificate, right? You did it. Water baptism is a good reminder. <coughs> no, I really want to get some water. I'm afraid to cough because I know it'll sound in the audio. Of course, me explaining it makes it even worse. <coughs> My point is this. If you're going to be water baptized today, that's wonderful. It's a blessing. Jesus himself says to do it. Matthew 28, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. I mean, we're supposed to do it. We're supposed to do it right away. Right away. If we look back at the scriptures, and we, I kind of breezed through this a little bit earlier, but there was a believing and then a baptism right away. Boom, boom, boom. There's no nine-week course. You don't need to get a special tattoo. You know, we just get water baptized. You know, I believe. Now I'm going to bury it. I'm going to leave. I'm going to bury it. That's it. That's all there is to it. There's nothing special. We don't need to do a workbook. Now, I'm not speaking against places that do those things. I think that's fine. But there's nothing in the Bible that did anything like that. So we don't have to let that slow us down. So if you're going to do it tonight, excellent. You're burying it. You're burying it. You're leaving it behind. Doesn't mean life's going to be peachy, but you're burying that part of it. And if you've been water baptized, thank God that you left it behind. True? And if you still choose to wallow in it, well, that's your own choice. I think it's a crazy choice, but it's your own choice. Let's move on the way. By the way, if I ever wallow, would you just tell me I'm wallowing? I want to give you liberty to say that now. Hey, Jim, it really seems like you're wallowing. Then just say, just say it to me. Are you with me? Can you do that for me? whether it's today or any other day, I'm not kidding you. I don't want to wallow. Plus, I really believe people don't like hanging out with wallowers. So if you're, you think I'm wallowing, probably that's a really nice way of saying I'm going to be losing friends soon. 
and true. Those of you who will be, those of you who are. Water baptism is for all of us. It's a reminder for all of us. I do thank God for such a tangible reminder. So if you would, please stand up. We're going to pray. Lord God, we thank you for this reminder. I thank you for this reminder. I have good memories of my own baptism. I believe folks here have good memories of theirs. And I pray for the people tonight who are getting baptized, that they would have good memories of theirs. That we all remember as a reminder that we've buried Jesus, that which you've defeated. And that's really what it's about. It draws us closer to you. We, we have a better perspective on you. Even though we don't understand why you choose water to do it, why you choose in this way, but we know we're responsive and we know it's buried and we thank you for it, Lord. God, I pray for blessings on everybody here and all of us here as we look to just understand more of you, whether it's in water baptism or just life. I pray for peace, real peace, Lord, that only comes from you, that, Lord, we see how it comes from you so we can share it with others. Thank you for this house. Thank you for the fellowship here, Lord God. These are good people. Thank you for bringing them together. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Amen. Thank you again for downloading and listening to this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We are located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And if you are looking for a church to call home or would like to visit us for one of our services, please visit our site at gracecf.us for our location and service times. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.